Hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here at Rebel World Headquarters. Uh, we also have reporters across the country, and even our Australian Bureau Chief, Avi Yamini, is in Israel at the Gaza border, where Avi believes the land invasion will come as soon as tonight. Uh, of course, it is already tonight in Israel. Good. I think it's a seven-hour time zone difference. So Avi is watching. He's waiting. In fact, he stands by. We're going to go to him right away. I see there's rockets flying behind him. Go ahead, uh, uh, switch over to Avi immediately. I just saw him on the other screen. Uh, rockets fly by. Avi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. And I'm not sure if you guys caught that on for the viewers, but we are right here. And it is definitely picking up. Moments ago, we actually had to run for shelter because there's drones, um, Hamas drones that came here. And as we've experienced, they're actually carrying munitions, which they dropped right next to us um, at one of the checkpoints in the early days of this conflict. So uh, things are certainly heating up on this border, Ezra, um, with the expected incursion into Gaza in just a matter of hours. Uh, all our sources are telling us that it is happening today. And in fact, Hamas just moments ago released two American hostages which most people believe here that is it's a stalling tactic, hoping uh, the IDF doesn't actually go in tonight. Um, all of them believe that, that, that that's not going to work, Ezra. Uh, so uh, thanks. We went to you very quickly. We didn't properly introduce you because literally as I saw you on the preview screen, I saw four looked like rockets come by, and I wanted to capture that uh, for viewers, but I think we missed it by a second. Uh, just let's back up for one second. Tell us where you are exactly. Um, I see the Israeli flags behind you. I see a tower of some sort. Where are you? How close are you to the border? And where? what is next to you? What's just outside the frame? Yeah, so we, we are right now the closest you can get to the Gaza border. Um, it's the edge of Sderot. 600 meters that way where the rockets are coming from that direction that is gaza that's the gaza border um a little further ahead is 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 gaza city the capital um this exact spot behind me is where terrorists came through uh two saturdays ago where they um marched up this road alongside me and butchered hunted and butchered maimed um you know uh Sorry, there's uh, military personnel coming in. Shalom. Oh, Shabbat Shalom. Oh, what, what is it? Oh, we can't be here now. Uh, we're being told that it's too dangerous to be here now. Um, so we might move uh, this, the open space. You know, hold on, wait a second. The open space. So we'll move closer to the shelter. Is that? Oh, on that side. On that side, this side here. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So come, we'll go around. So this side here. Okay, 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 okay. Levanti, toda. So they're just moving us along from this side of it. They're saying we're open to sniper um, uh, um, targets. There's snipers, obviously, on the on the other side. You can see here. Hold on. We'll, we'll um we'll come around here. Ezra, you can I can hear you. Yeah, I can see to... you, and we uh, can see you clearly, and the connection is excellent. So he's moving you for your own safety, sniper fire. I believe it, uh, by the way. And oh uh, yeah, oh we've just we've just escaped drones here. So 
I would say, um, there's, and the thing you got to understand, Ezra, we'll go, 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 watch your back. Come here. We'll go here closer to the, to uh, close to the bomb shelter. Um, just, it, it, just before we came on, we had to escape a drone attack. So, Mazer? Yeah, yeah, all good. Thank you. Um, the, the soldiers are here. They're, you know, they're happy for us to be here. They just don't, uh, they, they, they want to make sure this is a military zone. So, uh, there's no mainstream media here. They've all fallen, fallen right back. Um, and the only people here are a handful of alternative media, which we've basically formed a group. There's another Aussie here. And there are more people that, that, that um, cover wars in general from they were in Ukraine or whatever. But we've really created a group to, you know, there's some sort of protection in numbers um, and really experienced guys. But the mainstream media has moved right away from here because it obviously is, this is the closest you can get to what we're going to see tonight. Hmm. Wow. Well, you know what? Uh, I've told you this personally, but let me say it to you publicly. Uh, your safety is paramount. There's no story that's worth um, getting shot over. So so uh, I know you will take care of yourself and our cameraman, Benji, as much as is possible in, in a war zone. I mean, you are in a war zone. Um, tell me uh, what is expected. I have this terrible question, which is Gaza is a, is a very dense urban environment. There are some fields yeah. and whatnot, but it's, I fear, the door-to-door, apartment building to apartment building, urban combat is not well suited to tanks. It, uh, you know, F-35 jets are the most modern fighter jets in the world. Israel has them. That doesn't help you when you're going door-to-door. Hamas has had 18 years where they have had total control of Gaza. They have tunnels. They have booby traps. They have snipers, as you were just warned about. I'm worried that the invasion of Gaza will be uh, a a terrible uh, cost for – I mean, I I, I hope it inflicts a terrible cost on the Hamas terrorist group, but I'm worried that it will inflict a terrible cost on Israeli soldiers um, and and that that cost – uh, will be enormous, and I mean, I suppose that's what all wars are like. But but given that you're going to have, you know, you've got two enemies there. You've got the Hamas terrorists, and then you have the mainstream media who are going to lie about everything the Israeli army does. I suppose a, an invasion has to happen, but how does Israel mitigate the damage and the casualties to its own troops? I'm very worried about that. Yeah, you're right, Ezra. Look, I think nobody's lying to themselves, and that's probably why it's taken so long. This is almost two weeks since the attacks. You know, it, it will be two weeks because by the time they go in, it'll be uh, it's it's eight now. We're not expecting that. Is a red alert? Grab that, grab the thing. So there's rockets coming this way. Come, 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 come in here. Here we go. Coming our way. So this is the bomb shelter. Come on, me. Yeah. So the bomb shelter is actually the synagogue, the local synagogue, which is empty now. Um, as you can see, the only other people here, besides for military, are other alternative media. Um, the mainstream media, uh, you know, probably uh, in, a, in a much safer spot than this. But I think it's important for the world to see what's actually going to happen here tonight. Because the only other media that's going to get a shot on it will be coming from Al Jazeera from the other side um, on well-planted cameras to cut 
exactly the narrative that they're trying to portray. But yeah, nobody's nobody's lying to themselves. Nobody, everybody understands that this is going to be a an extremely uh, dangerous um, incursion. But every single, and this is the first time I've been talking about it for a few days. This is the first time I've spoken to every Israeli. Doesn't matter from the left, from the right. Everybody agrees that no matter the cost, they have to go in because the cost of not going in. Um, they they witnessed uh, the outcome of that is it, it, they know what that cost is so they believe in their army and they believe in the last two weeks of preparations and everybody's praying for them and hoping that this is the success and for them the success is to wipe Hamas out yeah and I I suppose this is a foolish question to put to you but it, I'm thinking long term let's say Israel goes in destroys a lot of the Hamas leadership kills a number of Hamas terrorists, and there are, there are, I, I've seen estimates of 20,000, you know, full-time terrorists, let alone people who help and aid and abet. Let's say that the bulk of them are decimated and the bulk of the infrastructure is destroyed. What's the long-term future for Gaza? Because Israel occupied it until 2005 and then gave it back. And unless Israel were to occupy it on a permanent basis, which I don't see that as feasible... How does it not revert to this if not under Hamas, under a different terrorist group? How How is this dealt with in the long term, or is that a problem for another day? Yeah, I, I, look, I think that's a question a lot of people are asking. But at this moment, um, people, are, I think locals are saying, let's push that off to later. Let's get rid of the problem now. And the problem is Hamas. Um they feel like, you know, I don't know. You can speculate. Apparently, maybe they want to get the Palestinian Authority take control of of Gaza too. Where, you know, better the evil you can work with than than the absolute evil evil that um, perpetrated some of these, you know, some of the most horrific crimes this nation has ever seen, especially in numbers and and some of the barbaric um, actions that took place literally in the community we're standing in now. So I, I think people's focus right now across the country, whether it's civilians or um, military or even politicians we've spoken to, is we have a short-term mission, and that is to cut the head off the snake, get rid of Hamas. Uh, I think Hamas is nervous. Israelis are nervous. Israel's nervous. And obviously there's this, there's, um, this border here, and uh, most people are expecting once this border opens, um, once the incursion starts, um, Hezbollah in the north is going to try escalate it so that it draws the some troops there as well. So you're going to have you have at the moment three hundred thousand reservists um, currently. We can come out. It's all good. Um, but so this is this is the biggest operation we Israel has um, has ever um, tried to come. We'll go back to that spot here. Um, this is the largest operation, especially from from the standpoint of um, the manpower. We've never seen that many. And Ezra, just so you know, they they, they got a hundred and fifty percent response uh, in reserve up calls. So meaning, when they called up a hundred thousand reservists, a hundred and fifty thousand came, and they refused to leave. So while everyone knows that the cost um, the cost is going going to be high, so here. While everyone understands, and, and you know, nobody's um, living in, in a fantasy here. People get, and look, this is a nation that's also been at war several times. They've never, they're shocked to the core about what they witnessed on these streets behind me, but in front of me, sorry, 
but but war they've seen. Now this is going going to have to be a war of proportions that they haven't seen, and they're going to have to win in a way that they've never sort of won in Gaza before. They've gone in a few times over the, uh, uh, since uh, 2005, since the disengagement. But um, the operation that has to come out now is going to be something uh, n- no one's ever witnessed before. And I think it, it's clear that uh, the, Israel's nervous. People believe it has to happen no matter what. Um, but Hamas is also nervous. It's it's no... Uh, it's no, it's it's uh, you know, it's no shock that they've released two hostages hours before it's rumored that Israel's going in. Uh, I believe that they're trying to stall, and most people here, most of the soldiers, obviously talking to us off the record, are, are saying it's a stalling tactic that won't work because there is a, there is no way the government cannot go in now, even from a political perspective, because absolutely every single Israeli we speak to, everyone across the board. He's saying that they need to enter Gaza and clear it out. Yeah. Now, you use the analogy of cutting the head off the snake, and I think that's a good one. Um, I think of the seven-headed hydra, the mythical creature that when you cut off one head, two more sprout back. But to stay with the analogy, the head of the snake is not in Gaza. It's in Qatar, in the city of Doha where the Hamas leadership lives in the Four Seasons Hotel with the protection and the blessing of the dictatorship of Qatar. And that's the head of the snake. I mean, sure, they have their lieutenants and their, you know, their uh, middle management of the terrorists on the ground in Gaza. But to truly cut the head off the snake, it would be taking out the leadership in Qatar. Now, Antony Blinken went to Qatar last week, earlier this week, and he, as far as we know, at least didn't publicly demand that they do anything, didn't demand that they uh, kick out the leadership, didn't demand that, they, demand that they arrest them, didn't do anything, actually thanked Qatar for, uh, I think the exact word Antony Blinken used was, we appreciate you helping to negotiate for the hostages. Um, so I, I, part of me thinks if you, you know, you can deal with the snakes, the, the nest of snakes on the ground in Gaza, but the head of the snake is safely uh, a thousand kilometers away. Look, I agree with you. Although I think if you take out all his foot soldiers, how, how valuable is he going to become to Qatar? He'll probably become a bargaining chip, which uh, they'll, they'll uh, throw under under the buses as fast as uh, they like I, I see that his power is only as long as he actually rules this place. So I, I do, I, I understand what you're saying and I agree, but I, I think, you know, going into Qatar and taking and doing that is probably uh, more dangerous for regional um, security and safety than dealing with the problem here in the backyard, what, which, um, you know, the, the IDF can do. And uh, like you said, at, at, at most likely a very high price. Now, the U.S. has uh, the largest warship uh, ever built. Um, their, their most modern aircraft carriers just off the shore there. And I'm not sure if the second aircraft carrier is yet in position, but if not, it will be shortly. That's an enormous proportion of the U.S. aircraft carrier fleet. And those are uh, the carriers themselves, and they're accompanied by by a variety of other support ships, missile launching ships, missile defense ships. One of those U.S. ships was attacked by various uh, drones um, by the Iran, uh, Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen, apparently. Um, 
What is the purpose of those aircraft carriers, do you think? Do you think it's to um, dissuade Hezbollah from firing 100,000 missiles into Israel? And how would they dissuade them? I mean, do you think that those aircraft will be deployed? I can't imagine them being deployed over Gaza. What will those aircraft carriers do? Yeah, look, I don't. I can't imagine them being deployed either over Gaza or even potentially Lebanon. I, if anything, I think they're there to persuade, uh, to 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 stop any uh, to, as a show, a, sign, a show of strength, uh, to deter, uh, you know, the real backer to all this, uh, the inciter to all this, Iran, and um, it's it's a show of force to say to anyone that wants to step in and use this as an opportunity. Um, to grow this into something bigger and beyond the self-defense, Israel's right to self-defense, um, that the Americans will are there and ready and they're not going to do what they did in Ukraine and um, they're actually going to step up and, and stand up. And, and at the end of the day, you've got to give credit where credit is due. Um, I, you know, I don't think you need boots on the ground here. No one's calling for boots on the ground. But I think um, if, if America wants to... Ha- rockets behind us um america wants to show that they are actually the the all-powerful that biden claims they are um they're gonna actually have to show that by standing by their allies like their allies stand by them or have stood by them um forever Mm so um tell, tell me what you're hearing and what you're seeing behind you i saw a bit of a flicker of light so you're saying that there's more rockets from gaza come on come on we've got to go in come on okay We've got to go. This, this is what it's like here at the moment. So I think there's rockets and then artillery being um, returning fire, but uh, that's what it's like at the moment. And it's really, you know, we've we've been here, we've been in this area for a couple of days now, really watching it, um, and it's it's certainly escalating. So it is preparing. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's been a guessing game. For all of us, including the the soldiers on the ground, but I, I I dare say we are hours away from the ground incursion. All right. Well, listen. It's great to catch up with you. Stay safe. Uh, go into that bomb shelter uh, as much as uh, you necessary. Um, I'm glad you're on the ground there. I, I'm I'm frankly a little bit nervous about your safety. I know you're wearing the bulletproof vest and the helmet uh, that we crowdfunded for you. So I'm, that's really the precaution to take if you're there. I mean, um, I hope you'll stay close to the bomb shelter there. And yeah. I don't think you should go into Gaza. I don't think you were planning on doing that. Um, is there, sorry, is there anything else you're hearing or you want to say? Oh, no, that's it. I just want to thank all the viewers who have supported us and made this possible. You know, the, everything from the helmets to the, the vests to the flights to the accommodation and everything. Yeah, so anybody that wants to watch and, and, and follow along from the front line in real time, the the URL probably put it on the screen there, the truthaboutthewar.com. And thank you. You know, it's uh, I can see the internet um, has followed the mainstream media and denouncing Israel even when it's it, nobody else would accept it the horrific kind of attacks that Israel faced only two weeks ago. I remember, Ezra, when you called me, uh, when we spoke about me doing this mission, um, you know, I said to you, it's, it, I give Israel two days because the whole world, roughly everybody was shocked by the images we, we witnessed of, you know, terrorists marching into civilian populations, going house to house, 
butchering people. And as you know, the days came through, we heard worse and worse testimony and footage of the barbaric acts from the, you know, the raping of women, the beheading of children, all these, uh, you know, the burning of families alive. Nobody else would accept it. But it, I told you at the time that, that, that the media will give Israel probably a two-day, three-day window. And that's why we need to get here because in the world, including everybody on Twitter, everybody on Facebook, and my feeds are full of, you know, people that are at a, at, in, in the safety of their home who are, you know, obviously watching too much of the mainstream media, get, not getting the other side of the story, um, that, that, that are ba basically denouncing Israel for exercising their right that you would want your country to exercise if somebody invaded your country and killed your family, raped your daughter, kidnapped some. So I appreciate all the viewers that helped make this possible at thetruthaboutthewar.com. Uh, obviously, we can't do it without them. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And thanks to Benji, uh, your courageous cameraman. And I know that he has a uh, vest and helmet as well. And uh, we see him in some of the clips that you send and he, uh, he's doing a great job too. So the both of you, please stay safe. And uh, we'll look forward to the updates as you post them either directly to Twitter, or we do have that compilation page, thetruthaboutthewar.com. And if you want to chip in to help cover Avi's costs, including the costs of his protection, you can do that at that website. Stay safe, my friend, and thanks for the update. Thank you, Ezra. All right, there you have it. Avi Yamini, our chief Australian correspondent who has been in Israel this past week or so. And it um, is his belief based on his sources and the chatter he hears that the ground invasion of Gaza will happen tonight. And it's already uh, almost um, 8.30 p.m. in Israel, if I have my time zones correct. Um I don't know if we recorded it, but literally in the moments before we started that segment, I have a, a screen in front of me of the, the different images, and we were going to go to that feed, and I saw several rockets being fired. I don't know if we cap captured that on, um, on a recording, but that was quite something. Uh, and you could see and hear some of the other noise in the background, uh, skirmishes before what is expected to be the main invasion. And um, I saw a tweet confirming what Avi said, that uh, Hamas has apparently released two Americans. I understand that there are actually dozens of Americans. Um, I'm not sure why they're called detainees, as if they were lawfully arrested. They're probably women or children. Hostages uh, is probably a more accurate word, but I'll, I'll accept it. Hamas says it is releasing two American detainees held hostage since the October 7 terrorist attack is the uh, tweet that I see. Um, all right. Well, that's, um, that's pretty sobering. And I, uh, I am not a veteran. I'm not a soldier. I have never been in the armed forces. I don't know Israel's military situation intimately, but uh, I'm quite worried that an invasion of an urban setting that is booby-trapped and tunneled and um, snipers and likely has a lot of professional military advisors from Iran on the ground. And that although it's sort of a Mad Max-style, you know, low-tech army in some ways, they also have some very high-tech weapons from Iran and likely from China. And I think it was uh, shown that the terrorists who invaded Israel for that horrible day two weeks ago, they actually had some American weapons, which 
likely came from what America left behind in Afghanistan. Uh, incredibly, you know, tens of thousands of weapons, thousands of vehicles, and even over a hundred aircraft, including helicopters. America abandoned an enormous amount of weaponry to the Taliban, some of which has surely made its way into the hands of Gaza. And I saw reports, I don't know if they were corroborated, that some of the weapons that have been moved to Ukraine have wound up there as well. I haven't seen that corroborated, but I've seen reports of it. So I'm nervous about a trap. I, uh, I think of the movie Stalingrad, which is based on the story of Stalingrad. Uh, Enemy at the Gates is, is one dramatic uh, retelling of Stalingrad. Um, a million casualties. Um, and I'm worried about that for several reasons. First of all, I'm worried about the casualties. Second of all, we know that Hamas uses Israeli civilians as targets and uses Palestinian civilians as human shields. They actually want or like when Palestinian civilians are killed because it's a PR victory for them. That's why they lied about the hospital strike. They claimed that it was an Israeli missile that hit the hospital. They claimed 500 dead. In fact, it was no Israeli strike. It was a Palestinian Islamic Jihad terrorist rocket that went astray. Um, thankfully, it did not have 500 dead. It exploded in the parking lot. But it was an enormous PR coup for uh, Hamas because for 24 hours or 12 hours, they convinced the world's media Israel killed 500 civilians. And by the time the truth got its boots laced up, the lie had run around the world millions of times, uh, including by so-called trusted media who um, claimed to double check and fact check and vet things. They didn't. They were the worst of it. I, I saw today, if you go to the New York Times Twitter homepage, just Twitter slash NY Times, you'll see that Elon Musk, in a very cheeky way, has removed the verified symbol from the New York Times Twitter account. I mean, he's such a cheeky um, troublemaker in his own way. Isn't that quite something? You just put that back on the, on the page, if you please. Um, you can, I mean, yeah, you can show this, but we can actually go to the uh, New York Times yeah, just NY Times. Yeah, just show that. You'll see it. No, Oh, they do have their verified check back on. Okay. But uh, their blue check, I think they had a yellow check. It has been, it's been changing throughout the day. Do you want to show what that doctor... Uh, yeah, show that tweet just for a second. Um, you, you'll see for a moment there, Elon Musk put a Pinocchio emoji. <laughs> And then I checked it, and there was no, emo no, uh, nothing there. And then you just checked it, and there's a blue. Like, all morning, there's been this wrestle over what the icon will be next to the New York Times. I mean, you've got to hand it to Elon Musk. He's very funny. Hey, Olivia, I just um, tweeted um, a tweet about open source, uh, how Twitter is an open source news network. Do you want to go there just for a second? It's just my own Twitter account. And uh, I want to read from it just for a moment. Uh, scroll down a little bit. Yeah, that one right there. 
Yeah, just just open that up for a second. And I'll read a little bit of this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, Elon Musk himself uh, commented on this. And I don't know this guy at all, Stephen Sanofsky. He says, this thread below offers a view on why the media has had so much difficulty with the news yesterday compared to the way online worked. It is an important perspective that I wanted to build on. It should not come as a surprise that the competitor to the media yesterday is also called open source. OS News has all the properties of open source that we are familiar with from software. That means all the benefits. It also means all the negatives is viewed by incumbents. Much like proprietary software, the flagship media outlets view news gathering through the lens of proprietary source. Only in this case, the source generally means access to people, information, data that is not available to lay people. Since the post-Watergate era, reporting has meant knocking on doors, cold calling, and most of all, having relationships with established sources and experts on topics. Conversely, these established sources and experts rely on these relationships to spoon out information and views in an effort to shape a narrative. This is a routine process game that has only become more institutionalized. So what he's saying is the legacy media has their sources, but the sources run the legacy media as much as the other way around. Let me keep reading just a little bit more. Um, I'll skip down a little bit. Uh, in the past, before open source, stories would run, information would be provided by sources close to whatever was happening in the world, and then that was the established narrative. In today's world, it's not just that everyone anywhere can post their thoughts, personal experiences, videos, photos, or anything that may or may not contribute. It's also there's a community of people willing to test the veracity of that information, and then there's a community willing to compare the results of those tests and so on. It becomes essentially impossible for the news to be defined by a private conversation between a well-placed source and a reporter. I won't read too much more, but I think this is interesting. It's looking at Twitter as open source versus the New York Times, say, as proprietary, if you know the difference. This reality extends even further to the vast array of sensors from satellite imagery to maps, witness recordings, historical information and records, and an incredible collection of data sources, many provided by the government itself. These sources provide more inputs to a wide range of community testing the validity of stories. Finally, add to this that there's often are true experts on events that are no longer bound by organizations involved who are willing to lend their opinions. So scroll down just a little. I don't want to read all of it. I don't want to go on too long. Um, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, some long for the days of the 6 p.m. newscast. This is most certainly a rose-colored view of the past. Those who recall this era remember being soothed by the packaging of the news. In hindsight, what we were watching was not a careful synthesis of fact-checked news, but the opinions and interpretations of a small number of people with very limited expertise and even more limited information. It is only events like weapons of mass destruction and others recently that have shown the limits of this process in the face of modern information data analysis. I kept asking myself yesterday, so he's talking about the story about the hospital, how different the world, weapons of mass destruction story would have been if it happened 20 years later. How would a generation of events have unfolded? Okay, and then this is, this is perhaps the most important part. I know I'm reading a lot of this, but don't you find it an interesting way to look at Twitter as open source news? It's easy to cry misinformation, but that is not what's going on. And here's, what, here's what's so interesting about open source news. Misinformation is when actors deliberately falsify what is going on. Sharing something and having an opinion as just a random person isn't that. 
It is misinformation for institutions that trade on trust and truthfulness to put forth information that has not been vetted by a community or has not used all available sources. So he's basically saying that the New York Times, by putting out a story how Israel did it without vetting it, that was misinformation. And then he says, news gathering has come far enough now to know that the news is not simply what one actor said off the record, confirmed by a person down the hall from that actor. The actors themselves have to deal with open source information. All right. I won't, it, you know, frankly, the whole thing's interesting, but I don't want to read the whole thing. Um, I think he's right. And he makes the point that incumbents like the New York Times uh, don't like this open source competitor. Because if you can do the news faster, better, more interesting than the New York Times, you're a threat to them two ways. First of all, people are going to go to Twitter for the news instead of going to the New York Times. Second of all, they're going to expose the New York Times as a bunch of liars. So those are two reasons why incumbents don't like open source. And I see... Uh, was it today or yesterday, Elon Musk had another tweet about something called NewsGuard, which is a group of uh, industry insiders uh, with government funding whose job is to rate the accuracy of different news sites. And they basically go around and news sites that are part of the narrative, they give the thumbs up to. And those that are not on the narrative, they give down thumbs to. Um, yeah. So Elon Musk <laughs> tweeted this um, Yesterday night said, disband NewsGuard. Anything with a name that sounds like it came out of an Orwell novel should never be trusted. Scroll up. Look at what he was replying to. Um, yeah, a little bit. So it's a bit of a back and forth here. Elon, for your permission, uh, Jimmy Wales advises NewsGuard, which is uh, knee deep in a plot to get governments to bankrupt alternative news. NewsGuard worked with the European Union on new disinformation code. Its business model has disinformation compliance services with censorship laws. And I know this because we fought with NewsGuard. Now scroll up a little bit. So a little bit more up. And then, okay, and then click back because he replied to this. He said, um, yeah, scroll up a little more. So he said, what a scam. NewsGuard should be disbanded immediately. And then Wayne Drew pre-weighed in um, about how NewsGuard targeted him. He's a black conservative. And then Elon Musk replied, disband NewsGuard. Anything with and the name should be never be trusted. So it's a whole back and forth. And I think I saw Tim Poole in the conversation as well. Can you click that back? Oh, there it is. NewsGuard gave us a strike because we ran five stories out of nearly 5,000 that quoted Trump. They claimed that reporting on Trump's statements was irresponsible because we should be fact-checking him instead, of, instead, and Trump was wrong. They now claim we don't correct errors because we didn't respond to their false claims last month. The, quote, nutrition label, they wrote, contained so many errors, they had to repeatedly correct it and have refused to correct additional false statements while claiming we don't correct errors despite doing all the time. Meanwhile, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and more ran fake stories out of Gaza and get 100%. And that's exactly right. NewsGuard... Um, and that's an atrocious name, isn't it? They basically are opinion moderators. Uh, and that's what, that's what YouTube did to us. YouTube did it and NewsGuard did it. Uh, if we report on someone they don't like, Donald Trump, a vaccine skeptic, they say you didn't rebut them. You didn't fact check Donald Trump. You didn't fact check the... Well, 
we're reporting what they said, and we may or may not report this or that or this other source, but reporting on what Donald Trump has to say is not the same as saying it. You're in, you're in the news business. Someone says something, you report on it accurately. You can have an opinion as, as to whether or not it's right, but simply reporting on people that NewsGuard and YouTube don't like is not an error. That is not a factual error. It is not factually incorrect to say, hey, guys, Donald Trump made this statement today. Now, Donald Trump's statement might be factually incorrect, so fact check him. But to say to journalists, you cannot even report anything, they, they took this approach to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. They said the only way you could report on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was to criticize him. That's the NewsGuard approach. So um, that goes to the open source information. Um, all right, well, it's 1.36, and we've had a good talk about things. I want to take a short break to show you some clips, some ads of what Rebel News is up to, and then we're going to come back because I've got some more videos to show you. So here, take a look at some of what's cooking at Rebel News. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twc.health rebel today. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. After years, I'm finally coming to Canada. I'm a practicing internist and cardiologist. I've trained in epidemiology. The FDA wanted to block the Pfizer dossier for 55 years. 50% of the lives at that time could have been saved. We were at about 250,000 deaths. Red Deer, Thursday, November 9th. Get tickets at canadiansfortruth.ca. See you Thursday, November 9th. Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you want to fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk, hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers' Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists, like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour, and the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the freedom train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The freedom train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Oh, hey there. Welcome back. Let's add, uh, in, in the future, an ad for our cruise. You know, I want to tell you that Rebel News does events. We've got Rebel News Live, which is coming up next month in um, Calgary. Do we have an ad for that? Because uh, we want to show that ad for sure. Got a lot of events. Um, we're promoting Ben Shapiro's visit, but that's not a Rebel event per se. 
we're promoting the concert with uh, Tamara Leach. That's going to be super fun, but that's not a Rebel event per se. But we do have some actual Rebel events. We've got um, what we call Rebel News Live, which is a full day in Calgary, all sorts of speakers. Um, for example, Billboard Chris is going to be there. Sheila Gunn-Reed, I'll be there. Uh, I don't have the list off the top of my head. Some of our friends uh, from True North will be there, Harrison Faulkner. Um, you know, I just don't have the list off the top of my head, but I think we have an ad on standby for that. And then we have a cruise. Did we play a cruise ad? We have a cruise ad. So we're sailing uh, into the Caribbean in March of 2024, and Tamara Leach will be our special guest on that one. So here, take a quick look at this ad. I just want to show you some other stuff we've got going on. Take a look. It's summertime now, but the cold Canadian winter will be here soon enough. So I am planning a week-long Caribbean cruise in March with your favorite Rebel News personalities, including myself, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Alexa Lavoie, David Menzies, and many more, plus the woman of the year, Tamara Leach. Want to come with us? We're going to sail out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida on March 23rd. Our first stop will be the beautiful Half Moon Key in the Bahamas, then on to Ocherios, Jamaica, then the Cayman Islands, and finally Cozumel, Mexico. Talk about a great winter getaway. It's going to be beautiful and relaxing and a little bit luxurious. We're going on Holland America Line, so you know it's going to be good. But the real fun is that we're bringing some of the most interesting thinkers and doers on the cruise with us for a series of special Rebel News only events on the cruise ship when we're at sea, including panel discussions where you can get intimate and interactive with some of the smartest public policy minds around. It's not just Rebel News staff, it's newsmakers we love to interview on our shows. That's what makes this cruise so special. Over the course of the week, you'll have countless opportunities to talk one-on-one -on -one with your favorite Rebel News personalities in a casual setting. We'll have private Rebel News only receptions and a series of panel discussions with a question and answer session where you can really dig into the issues. And this is my favorite part. Every night, we're gonna have dinner together and we're gonna rotate tables at dinner each night. So you'll be with a different Rebel celebrity uh, every night. and your fellow rebel enthusiasts. So, for example, one night you'll have dinner with me, the next night you'll have dinner at Tamara Leach's table, and so on. How much fun is that? I can hardly wait. If you like cruising already, well, this is truly something unique. And if you've never been on a cruise ship before, this is the perfect way to start with a group of like-minded rebels from coast to coast. You can find out all the details, including the different cabin prices at rebelnewscruise.com. I know you're gonna look back on it as the vacation of a lifetime. We've reserved a limited number of Rebel News cabins, so book yours today at rebelnewscruise.com. We'll see you there. Oh, there you go. Thanks very much for playing that, Olivia. Um, so that's gonna be good. And uh, you know those cruises are so much fun. It's a real cruise. When you're in a port, you go ashore and you do whatever, your time is your own. Um, but when the ship's at sea, the boring part, that's when we have those seminars. We take over the ship's theater, we have a Q&A session, and that's going to be great. Oh, and we have dinner together every night, so every night you sit with a new celeb. That's going to be great. Um, so back to the news. It was quite something to see Avi there, and just even in our chat, he had to go several times into the bomb shelter. And by the way, in Sterot, which I've been to, which is right near the Gaza border, they have hundreds of bomb shelters just around town because it's so close to 
Gaza, they only have seconds before they have to run into this bomb shelter or that bomb shelter. For example, every bus stop is sort of a kind of a bomb shelter. They build it enclosed so you can duck in there. So I, I really hope he's okay. There is literally no video that is worth getting hurt over. Uh, but you can see he's taking advice and and uh, and following it, which is good. Um, you know, I want to show you something that I saw earlier today that I that I really that I it irritates me. Irritates the wrong word. It makes me afraid for Canada. You know, you know we talk about this war, and it's interesting because there's a lot of things um, about it that are interesting. I mean, it was an attack uh, on Israel that was sort of like a 9-11 attack, a sneak attack, barbaric, targeting citizens, had a massive death toll, um, 1,400 dead, something like that, 200 hostages in Gaza. The hostages, is just so barbaric. The torture before they killed people. And the fact that they're boasting, about it, it's truly, it, it's even worse than the Nazis in that way because they downplayed what they were doing, uh, even to this day. Uh, the Nazis claim, oh, no, no, they're, they're Holocaust deniers. They're saying, no, no, those were not death camps, etc. Here, Hamas literally live-streamed their, their brutality. Um, dozens of foreign citizens are hostage. It's, I fear, a domino for a larger domino falling that could make other regional dominoes fall. Iran backs both Hamas in Gaza and Hezbollah in the north. Iran itself is building a nuclear bomb. There's uh, Turkey, which is saber-rattling. Russia says it's now having a patrol uh, with a long-range, high-speed missile. A lot of terrible things are happening. Um, I don't think the United States has ever deployed troops to Israel, and I don't think Israel has ever requested it. And so it's not like um, other ground deployments. Israel's not in NATO. So if Israel is attacked, it doesn't have the same legal imperative that America and Canada respond as if they were attacked. Article, I think it's five of the NATO treaty says all for one and one for all. If any country is attacked, all the rest have to respond. Israel's not in NATO. Um, I don't believe Canada gives any aid to Israel, so and and certainly the idea of Canadian troops is a non-starter. I don't even think, I mean, Canada has a few troops in Latvia or something, but uh, we we don't have anything to offer, anyways. Um, my point is that it affects us as foreign affairs do. I feel like we're closer to World War III than at any time since the Cuban Missile Crisis. But as Avi says, Israel's been to war before and there will be casualties, but the country's united and they have to do what they have to do for themselves. And I think he's right. But what scares me as a Canadian is what's happening in our country. In our country of Canada. Because you have Nazi-style rallies on the street where people are saying in various degrees of plain language or coded language, they're saying the same things as Hamas. They're saying, kill the Jews from the river to the sea, kill the Jews. Sometimes they're actually saying those words. Sometimes they're literally flying the flags of banned terrorist groups. The, the Nazi party 
is not actually a banned terrorist group in Canada. I don't think the Nazi party exists anywhere, actually. Um, and a Nazi flag is not illegal. Of course, it's an extreme bad taste. It's the sign that you may be a Nazi. But even being a Nazi is not a crime in Canada. Even saying Nazi things is not a crime. But there's a list of terrorist entities in Canada that are criminal organizations. And the criminal code says you can't participate, facilitate, instruct, or harbor those terrorist groups. Those are the four big categories. So instruct is pretty clear, harbor. But when you, have, when you take a terrorist flag to a terrorist rally to praise the terrorist group and support the terrorists, are you participating? Are you facilitating? Here's a guy with a flag of a terrorist group, and he's not hiding his identity. He's proud of what he's doing, and he just happened to have that flag kicking around. Who, who has that flag? That flag's not easy to get. And there was another uh, flag in Mississauga, a Taliban flag. Who is in Canada with a Taliban flag? And what else are they doing? Imagine the brazenness of showing up in public with your Taliban flag because you think now is the time. Yeah, there it is there. That's a big Yukon Excel. That person's trying to block cameras. Trying to block the filming. That, that lady was trying to block the filming for a second. One of the people in the trucks has their face covered. Oh, yeah, they're bringing out the umbrella to try and block people from filming. Yeah, that's an Antifa protester. Antifa has allied with Hamas to stop things from being filmed. That's their tactic. Yeah, so that's what worries me, because Canada is not used to terrorists. In the phrase of um, Senator Dandrand 100 years ago, we're a fireproof house far away from flammable materials. We've, we haven't had a tough day in our lives. I mean, I suppose there was the War of 1812, but okay, in the last two centuries, we have not had a war. Yes, we did send soldiers to World War I and World War II and the Boer War, actually, and uh, Korea. And we did send troops to Afghanistan, it's true. We have peacekeepers. We used to have peacekeepers around the world. We don't have too many these days. But our home and native land has been peaceful. There's never been a war in Calgary or Vancouver or Edmonton or Winnipeg. I mean, there was, I suppose, the Real Rebellion. We were a fireproof house far away from inflammable materials. And now we have brought thousands of people who are terrorist supporters, who are chanting in support of today's Nazis. And they're not just doing so in plazas. They're not just doing so outside the Israeli embassy. Today, in fact, it might still be going on right now, but an hour and a half ago, they were in front of a Jewish community center in Toronto. Here, play that clip for a second. So this is in downtown Toronto, Spadina and Bloor Street.
Thanks. What are they saying? What do they want now? I couldn't make it out. Um, but those are uh, pro-Hamas supporters. I didn't hear that chant. And that is right outside the, the Miles Nadal Jewish Community Center in downtown Toronto, or Midtown, I guess it might be called, Spadina and Bloor. Um, it is not an Israeli asset. It is not an embassy. It's uh, a Jewish center, but it's open to every Torontonian. It's like the YMCA. That stands for the Young Men's Christian Association. But you don't have to be Christian to go to the YMCA. Um, there's, a, there's a gym there. There's swimming pools. There's meeting rooms. There's a restaurant. There's, it's a community center. There's a kindergarten there. I think there's a daycare there. There are some Jewish things there, that's for sure. You don't have to be Jewish to go there. They're protesting there because it's Jewish, not because it's Israeli. It's not Israeli at all. Miles Nadal is a Canadian. I, I forget who he is. I think he was some donor. I'm just going to Google his name. A Canadian-born international entrepreneur. You can go to milesnadal.com. He's got his own website, apparently. Go to milesnadal.com. He's an international entrepreneur and philanthropist. He passionately believes in championing people to pursue their dreams, dare to dream. Um, he's got a big philanthropy section, community, children's welfare, healthcare, education. He just happens to be a Jew. And so he supports Jewish things. Yeah, go ahead and put that up. Just like he's just a guy. He's born in Canada and he supports Jewish things. And, and um, I mean, there he is. He um, gives to the Kiwanis Club in Toronto. He gives to the Schulich School of Business in York. He gives to a school in Miami for some reason. Um, he gives to the Cancer Center. He gives to the big uh, Toronto Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto, which is, which is, again, named after the Jews, Mount Sinai Hospital. That's because... You know, 100 years ago, hospitals wouldn't hire Jewish doctors, so the Jewish doctors started their own hospitals. Across North America, if you ever see the Mount Sinai Hospital, there's, there's a bunch of them. Those are hospitals that 80, 90, 100 years ago were, yeah, I think she can take it down now. Those are hospitals that were set up by Jewish doctors who weren't allowed to practice in the regular hospitals. And they're still, have, they're still re often regarded as excellent hospitals. So basically, a Jewish philanthropist who gives money to some Jewish causes, but to, you, know, you don't have to be Jewish to go to Mount Sinai. You don't have to be Jewish to go to York University. So he gives million, probably, I don't know, I, I don't know, never met him. Uh, maybe he gives $100 million away. But because he's a Jew and because he supported this Jewish community center that everyone in the world can go to, Hamas was targeting him and that place. Because they're not against Israel full stop. They're against Jews. They want to kill the Jews. That's in the Hamas charter. Maybe we should go through the Hamas charter now. We only have five, you know, let's do that another day. Let's take a day and really go through the Hamas charter. The Hamas charter is the constitution of the Hamas terrorist group. Let's go there for one second. Let's go there for, just Google Hamas charter. Just type that in. And um, check, click on, click on the version 
from the, um, like there's different translations of it. I want to use one that, that people will acknowledge uh, is neutral. Like I don't want, like the Israeli government obviously translates it. Let's go for the Federation of American Scientists, uh, which is um, a left-wing organization. So they're not going to, um, I, I mean, I could show you the Israeli government one, but a conspiracy theorist would say, well, that's not accurate. So just do uh, a word search. You can see the word search um, for the word Jew. For our struggle against the Jew is extremely wide-ranging and grave, so much so that we will need all the loyal efforts we can wield. There's 25 examples. Go to the next one. The time will not come until Muslims will fight the Jews and kill them, until the Jews hide behind rocks and trees. There is a Jew hiding behind me. Let's go to the next example. And the Jews will not be pleased with thee. <laughs> you know, they're not saying Israel, are they? In order to face the usurpation of Palestine by the Jews, we have no escape from raising the banner of jihad. This would require the propagation of Islamic consciousness among the masses on all local Arab and Islamic levels. The next one, the, Nazi, the Nazism of the Jews does not skip women and children. Um, the Jews occupied holy Jerusalem in 1967. Israel, by virtue of being Jewish and of having a Jewish population, defies Islam uh, and the Muslims. Um, you know, if, if you want a different translation, go find it yourself. My point is they're not hiding it. And so when Hamas, in fact, let's open that one more time. So there were 25 instances where the word Jew was there, but only 16 or 14 instances of the word Israel. Or, let's see, is America in there? No, America's not in there. Anyway, you don't have to go back to it. Yeah, close that off. Um, so Hamas isn't hiding it. Remember the other day I read that piece by Harold Jacobson of The Independent, who was saying, who was talking about the terror attack 20 years ago in Bali, when Islam... Islamic extremist terrorists killed a bunch of Australians at a nightclub in Bali, Indonesia. And all the liberals in the media said, oh, yeah, that's the one choking in the stink of our own self-hatred. It was such a heavy-duty piece. I remember it 21 years later. And um, he basically said, how dare you change the rationale for these murders? The murderers themselves said they did it for their own reasons. How dare you supply your own reasons instead? Why not let them explain why they did what they did? And he, he said the worst form of this liberal reaction is to actually blame the victim, even if the victim is yourself. He said that was the incredible thing when he visited the death camp in Dachau he said, you're confronted with so much evil against the Jews. To make the world make sense, you have to say, well, we must have done something to deserve this. We must have done something. And the Nazis had the concept of selbsthass, self-hatred, where they said, look, even the Jews hate themselves, so surely they're evil. Harold Jacobson's point 21 years ago was, do not substitute your own rationale for what your murderers say they're doing. 
Hamas says 25 times they're out to kill the Jews. 25 times the word Jew appears in their charter, more than the word Israel does. They believe in killing Jews anywhere and everywhere. It's in their constitution. Uh, and, uh, and Joe Biden just announced he's going to give $100 million to Hamas in Gaza. You, you might think I'm misspeaking there. Can you find that clip? Do you know the one I'm referring to? Um, you know what? I won't make you search for it because I don't know how to properly describe how to find it. What's that? Yeah, sorry. It was a, a Biden spokesman on TV saying Gaza has made promises. You know, Hamas had made promises not to use the money or something. Uh, Biden, Hamas. trying to find it. You know what? I, I need to describe it better for you. There was an official of the Biden administration who went on TV and said, well, they've promised not to use this new $100 million for terrorism. They promised. Um, I'm not going to... I, I need a better description. I'll find it. But it's incredible that uh, even now... I think I found it. All right, I can't find it. I'll have to look for it. Yeah, I can't find it. Sorry to take your time in live TV there. Maybe that's him. Yeah, is that him there? Let's just take a listen. I'm not sure if that's the one. Let's take a listen. And when I see what's happening to the country I served to defend and protect, and now we're sitting here watching millions of illegals come in, of no, which thousands of them. I'll, would I'll want look it. forward and we'll, we'll come back to it. But there, there's an administration official who's been doing the rounds, CNN, et cetera, saying we're going to give $100 million to Gaza. And someone says, how will you ensure that doesn't go into the hands of the terrorists, given that Gaza is run by Hamas? And he says something like they're going to promise. I'll find it again and we'll come back with it. I wasn't, I, I don't know how to describe it for a search well enough. Um, so, yeah, I'm, what, I'm, I'm worried for Israel because I'm sympathetic to Israel. And they were dealt a 9-11 style blow. And it's terrible, and they're dealing with Stone Age barbarians worse even than the Nazis. And I have an affection and, a, and an ethnic kinship to Israel. That's part of it, of course. They're the only democracy in the region. That's part of it. And any human being of any race or religion or ethnicity should be appalled by the torture, murder, rape, brutality against civilians, deliberate, and, and cheering that and killing infants. Killing infants because they are of a certain race or ethnicity or religion is, there's nothing lower, there's nothing more barbaric. So anyone of conscience should be opposed to that, and I am. But what scares me is in our own cities, in Toronto, in Mississauga, in Ottawa, Montreal, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, you are seeing supporters of this new Nazism on the street chanting their support not just as Israeli embassies, but at a Jewish kindergarten in downtown Toronto. And I checked, and that is in the district of Christia Freeland. Christia Freeland's district is called 
uh, University um, Rosedale. And that Jewish community center is in the heart of her district. And not a word from her about it. Not a word. That's what scares me. Because when you have thousands of people coming out to support Hamas, and some of them even have their own terrorist flags, just kicking around the house. And when they chant from the river to the sea, which means kill every Jew in Israel. And when they support the Hamas charter, which says kill every Jew. You don't think some of them mean it? And even if they don't mean it, how terrifying to be a Jewish kid in that kindergarten. That video was taken by some mum, sounds like a Jewish mum, who was exasperated and didn't know what to make of it. And just last week, all these liberal MPs went to an anti-Semitism conference and said, oh, never again. And the official juice clapped and said, thank you for coming to our conference and telling us you like us. We'll keep the donations coming to the Liberal Party. And then on the streets, um, uh, and then on the streets you have, uh, what, what are we looking at there? Is that outside the anti-Semitism conference? Yeah. So here's, even at the anti-Semitism conference in Ottawa, this is a, that looks like it was filmed from inside. Oh no, it's filmed outside. So the, those are anti-Semitic protesters at a, a conference about anti-Semitism. So it wasn't an Israel conference. No Israelis in there, as far as I know. Maybe there, there was by chance, but there, there was not an Israel conference. Not nothing new. The state of Israel. It's about anti-Semitism, and a bunch of Hamas supporters go there because they know there's Jews inside, maybe hiding in the attic. That's the state of Canada, and I'm more worried about that than I am about Israel, because Israel is at least awake to these problems. It's 2.05, I see a super chat from Ableist SL. The fact checker should face legal ramifications for mass defamation, such as nasty prison sentences, fines and asset seizures, and hell execution might be required as prison won't stop most of them. I disagree. I think they should just be exposed in the open source journalism to be liars. I don't think we want to put people in jail or worse for having the wrong opinion. That's sort of what they do to us. That's what I'm worried about. I think Avi actually made a tweet that captures some of these rockets being shot behind him. Do you want to show that and then we'll close on that? So here's, here's a video I think this might have been what I saw just before we put him on the screen. Take a look. This is from Avi. definitely picking up moments ago we actually had to run for shelter because there's drones um hamas drones that came here and as we've experienced they're actually yeah so i can see what happened there right next to us that you can see the camera on the tripod that that was filming avi as we talked to him and then our cameraman benji had his cell phone camera going too and those were the rockets that i saw just before we put Avi on the screen. What do you think of that? 
It's 207 Eastern Time. Thank you for joining me today for the live stream. Um, on my show tonight, I'm going to go through Joe Biden's speech last night, which was incredibly disappointing, unpresidential, and exuded weakness. And you know the old saying, it's a meme. Find the meme if you can, Olivia. Let's see how quick you can find it. You know the one? Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make tough times. Tough times make strong men. It's a circle, isn't it? Yeah, I was born in 1972. I'm 51 years old. And I grew up with a bit of a knowledge of not the previous generation, the boomers, but the one before that, the greatest generation, as it was dubbed. Ordinary people born 1915, 1910, 1920, who went by the million to save the world from Nazism and from Japanese imperialism, from Italian fascism. They went by the million and uh, saved us. And do we have that? Yeah, put that, I mean, you've seen this meme many times in different ways. Hard times make strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. We are on the fourth cycle here, weak men. Joe Biden, Justin Trudeau, Rishi Sunak, Emmanuel Macron, weak men, Angela Merkel and now Schultz. You know, people didn't like Trump because they didn't like his personality, his temperament, his... Um, New York brashness, his mean nicknames, his mean tweets. And uh, he offended them aesthetically. But, but he was a strong man who made good times. The bad guys were in retreat or were hiding. Russia didn't try anything in Ukraine. China didn't try anything in Taiwan. North Korea pulled in its claws. Israel and its Arab neighbors started to make peace. United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, Sudan, even Saudi Arabia was warming up. He took out ISIS. He took out a top commander of Iran, Soleimani. The world was safer, freer, more prosperous, more peaceful, more secure, more stable, more certain. And under Biden, you can't even say under Biden, does anyone think that Biden is running America? You, you cannot think that. You cannot, if you say you believe that, I don't believe you. If you believe that Joe Biden is running the United States of America, you are not a serious person. Now, the only thing that terrifies me more is, God forbid, he were to pass away or resign for reasons of cognitive decline, or maybe he falls down the stairs again. 
under the U.S. Constitution, there's an order of succession. And number two is Kamala Harris. Maybe the stupidest person ever to inhabit the office of vice president. I shouldn't say that categorically because I don't know a lot of vice presidents. You know, people made fun of Dan Quayle because he spelt a word wrong once. But I don't think he was that stupid. I think they just that just sort of stuck to him for the rest of his life. That was Bush's vice president, George Bush Sr. Third in line is the Speaker of the House of, the, of Representatives, who they're quarreling over in, in America right now. Hmm. Oh, well. Thanks for joining me. We're going to try and do our bit. How do you, what do you do in a crisis like that, like this? An ordinary person. What can an ordinary person do? Well, the very basic thing is what Solzhenitsyn said. I'm going to see if I can find a quote. I can't find his exact quote, so I'll paraphrase it. He said, it's not up to you to fight, but at least don't let the evil flow through you. At least don't be part of it. I think that's something everyone can do. Don't be part of it. Don't be, don't accept it. Don't tolerate it. Don't spread it. Don't uh, say ditto. Show the, uh, show the Edmonton hate bridge. The city of Edmonton, which is run by a former liberal MP, Trudeau MP named Amarjeet Sohi, former Trudeau cabinet minister, he refused to denounce Hamas even in the hours after the atrocities. And he's ordered that the bridge, the high-level bridge, be lit up in Hamas colors. I'm sure if it were 1940, he would have a bridge lit up in the same colors for, for the Nazis. Imagine being a Jew in Edmonton and your mayor says, we're going to celebrate Hamas. It wasn't lit up for Israel. It didn't light up that, that bridge in support of the 1,400 who were massacred by the terrorists, as far as I know. If I'm wrong, correct me on that. Just astonishing. What really worries me about this war is not the war. It's the home front. I think Israel can still handle itself. I sure hope so. But what about our own country and our values and our safety and our tolerance? And I say this as a right-winger. When you have people chanting for death to the Jews outside a Jewish kindergarten, and the MP says nothing and the police do nothing, even though it's a banned terrorist group under the criminal code, we've got a problem in Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Vancouver, Calgary. The problem is here. The problem isn't just in Gaza. On that terrifying note, let me thank you for joining us. If you want to join me at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight on my show, The Ezra Levant Show, you can subscribe by going to rebelnewsplus.com and clicking subscribe. 
I'll go through Joe Biden's pathetic speech. Until tonight, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, goodbye. And keep fighting for freedom. What evidence are you waiting for to see in the hospital explosion in Gaza before you assign responsibility for that incident? Obviously, um, the hospital explosion was a terrible, terrible thing. We uh, deplore uh, the loss of civilian life, of innocence. Um, we are uh, we are working with uh, our allies internationally uh, to uh, make sure uh, that we can determine exactly what happened. Um, the protection of civilian life, whether it's uh, hostages being held by Hamas uh, or uh, civilians in Gaza or elsewhere, needs to be at the forefront of everything we do, not just in the region, but as an international community. Uh, and that is what our diplomatic efforts are focused on, uh, whether we're speaking to the uh, the leaders of Israel or of the Palestinian Authority, uh, whether it's my conversations with President Sisi uh, or uh, the uh, Crown Prince of, of, uh, of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia uh, or uh, any other leaders in the region, the King of Jordan, um, we are going to continue calling uh, for peace and calling for the protection of all civilian lives.